Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome to episode one of Brews and Bruins. Uh, very excited for this. Uh, I'm Chris Gear. Introduce the other guys, Drew and Cam. Who wants to go first? Go for it, Drew. All right, yep, Drew. Um, what are we even saying? Uh, what beer we're drinking? Yeah, let's start with that. All right, well, I got an Omission uh, Pale Ale. Uh, Omission's a gluten-free beer brewery. Uh because I got a sad intolerance to gluten, so... I'll pour one out for you. All right, I am Cam. Cam Hasbrick over here. And I am first of several sad stories, probably, that are going to be on this podcast. I'm drinking Bud Light tonight. <laughs> uh, it was a tough tough afternoon as we were preparing. Among the technical difficulties we had coming into this one, uh, I went into my fridge, and there was a nice box of IPAs in there, so I said, great, I'll snag one of those. And it was a very sad discovery when I pulled out the box and there was no beer in the box. It was just an empty box. So we had to resort to Plan C, really, which is Bud Light. But here we are. And we're ready to talk hockey. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking a Stone Fear Movie Lions double IPA. Um, well, it was, and now it's going to be gone because of the 45-minute delay. But well, It was not 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> it, was more, it was more like half an hour. Uh, Maybe 45 minutes with my technical difficulties included, but that's all right. Told you this would happen. All right, so I got four dogs. Two of them are currently barking. Um, They're going to be frequent guests on this podcast. Nice. Um, First guest. I'll mute my mic as much as possible when I'm not talking, but... Do they have any hot takes about Tuka Rask? Everybody does, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right, well, should we get on into it? Yeah, I mean, uh, we could further introduce ourselves to, I mean, I assume no one's going to listen to this, but don't know who we are, at least a little bit, but... That's very uh, true. And maybe eventually we'll spread a little further, and they'll go back and listen to the first episode and find out what we're really about. So, I'm Chris Gear. I live in San Diego, um, used to work with these fine gentlemen at thehockeywriters.com, and uh, now I'm an aerospace engineer, so it's all downhill. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm Drew Johnson, as uh, Chris mentioned, wrote for the Hockey Writers for a little while, two years there. Uh, a few other websites uh, in the Hockey and Bruins community. Uh, right now I'm writing for uh, Sports Gamers Online, uh, which covers sports video games like Madden, uh, NHL, all that. So that's a brand new thing, like two days ago. But. I really appreciate you not calling it Chell. But also congratulations. But, you know, it's good to call it Shell. I find it hilarious that it's called Shell because that's the last syllable of NHL. Yeah, it's, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you'd go with in between, like, Nate and, you know, I don't think there's a better <laughs> alternative, but we'll have some Shell hot takes coming out, I guess, later. Yeah, I but, guess so. 
Uh, with that, once again, I am Cam Hasbrook. I am living down in Maryland right now, although that may be changing soon. Um, as these guys said, working for the hockey writers, I'm still there. It never ends, I guess. I'm just going to keep chugging along. <laughs> Uh, so you can find my stuff there, and uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking, talking hockey, <laughs> drinking brews. <laughs> Nothing better than that. So I should mention I'm from uh, I'm from Massachusetts, so I'm actually here, which means I'm better than both of you. So yeah, you, you know. got the six one seven pennant in the background, so you're really representing. Uh, I'm oh, from <laughs> I'm from Massachusetts, so. I, I feel like I'm. Yeah, but you traded. You're a Cali I'm boy now. So. Re- representing the opposite side of the country right now, but. Hey, Bruins! Bruins so. fam is coast to coast, so. That's true. Yeah, I actually, travel well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I actually am from New York originally, but uh, which may sound weird being a Boston fan, but it's upstate, outside of this little town called Albany. You probably never heard of it. It is actually the <laughs> capital, which I don't think anyone outside of. Probably Albany. I don't even think people in New York City know that Albany's the capital. I think they probably just assume it's New York City. But uh, pretty equidistant from New York and Boston. And obviously, if you have the choice, you're going to pick Boston, because why the hell wouldn't you? So that's the story <laughs> right there. Also, fun fact, while we're getting into it, I was actually named after Cam Neely. So, hey, oh, really? There you go. Yeah, yeah. So right now, that's going well. If he does something stupid as president, then I'm going to have to hide that, and we'll go back and edit that out. But... As of now, it's going pretty well. The record's the record's hanging in there for now. So, all right. Well, uh, Drew, you dropped a, a story in our little group chat yesterday, yeah, um, about Chris Wagner hooking up with Harpoon to brew a new beer. You want to talk about that for a minute? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it just popped up on my Facebook feed or something. Um, it's called "Don't Poke the Bear," uh, and six dollars i believe yeah six dollars of every case sold will be donated directly to the Corey c griffin foundation which was uh, a choice of wagner so uh a good cause and uh i mean i want to get my hands on it i'd like to try that yeah, yeah i mean sounds sounds good to me uh probably won't be selling it out here in san diego but probably not yeah uh, I'll, I'll be back in massachusetts soon we'll uh, i'll ship you a case <laughs> all right <laughs> I would uh I would also take one if anyone's asking but uh right. I'll, I'll I'll split a case so I'll take half a case like loose beers and send it to one of you and the loose beers to the other you know. I'm sure that's legal right <laughs> It's it's both legal and encouraged and it always makes it intact Yeah <laughs> There you go there you go so they uh, apparently they tapped the first keg for Wednesday's game at a little launch party over there. So oh. we'll have to try to find some people on Twitter who might have been there. You can tell us how it is. Uh, they're calling it a black and golden ale. So obviously nice. you can see the appreciation. Although I, I got to say, I think they, they missed an opportunity to just call it Don't Poke the Beer. I feel like everybody would still get the joke. Ooh. Ooh. But, you know, no problems. If it tastes good, then who cares? That's that's all that matters. So. <laughs> yeah. One thing I am curious about, because I didn't really read up on it a whole lot, is it like an actual black and golden ale or is it like a golden ale that they also just kind of tag that pun on to I, I think it's probably just a golden ale but i don't know that was the understanding yeah, that i had <laughs> based on how they hyphenated it but we could be wrong honestly i don't know once drew yeah. gets a case and ships it to us we can all drink them on this we'll podcast know. and then we'll yeah. know together we'll have a uh, we'll have a review for you guys um, yeah, just right, you, guys me. The, <laughs> you guys want to do the weekend review? Yeah, let's get to sure. it. Sure. All right, who wants to take this? 
Drew, start us off, why don't you? All right, we can review. So uh, a very nice 4 to nothing win over the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, have to say that felt good. There is, I don't know, on my end, it seemed like nothing could go wrong. I mean, it felt like throughout the game, it was a 4 nothing lead. It's like they're going to collapse, you know, how they've been before the All-Star break. But at the end of the game, reflecting back, it was it was nearly a perfect game. No, I really felt good about this game most of the way through, like you said. Uh, it kind of blew up at the end there. It was pretty close for most of the game. Yeah. Um, Jacob Markstrom was incredible. Uh, probably one of the best goaltending performances I've seen in a 4 nothing loss this year. Uh, <laughs> the Bruins really could have won that game like 7 nothing if they wanted to. And uh, Tuka Rask with his third shot out of the year, um, having, a, having a pretty good year um, in that respect. <laughs> And I mean, all all things firing on on all cylinders after the break. Uh, good to see that kind of turn around a little bit after having a little dip. Yeah, definitely. I didn't even notice until just a few minutes ago, and I was looking at some stats. Uh, that brings Ras to eleven zero and six at home this season. So still hasn't been defeated in regulation wow. at TD Garden this season, which is pretty impressive. Uh, I guess that means all ten are Halaks, which. Would sound worrisome, but I mean, we'll get to the goaltending stuff more later. But I think everybody can be pretty happy with what we've seen out of Halak for the most part this season. He's he's had a little bit more of a bump lately, but especially through the early part of the season, he carried like they needed him to. But uh, Drew, like you said, the Bruins have been pretty good at blowing third period leads over the past uh, oh my God, couple months, no. really. So I think watching this one, everybody was kind of thinking in the back of their head the same thing: like this can only go one way, you know. But they made it through and they look good. So, uh, and anytime you can beat Vancouver four to nothing, it brings back some nice deja vu. Oh, from yeah, twenty eleven, yeah. of course, can't get through without saying that. So, uh, encouraging stuff for that one for sure. Yeah, and like speaking of blowing those leads, they were they've been awful in OT and shootouts, but a nice overtime win on Wednesday against the Blackhawks. Uh, I was so nervous going into that overtime. I was like, <laughs> they they gotta win this Here we for. Go again. For a confidence boost, I think I think winning that is a huge confidence boost for them. Uh, beyond you know nabbing what is it four in a row because there was one before the break, um, I think that above and beyond is probably gives them a, a great high, uh, very good high note to uh, go into the weekend on. Yeah, and speaking of confidence boosts, you got uh, Charlie McAvoy scoring his first goal of the season. Yep. Um, I, I don't. Hockey's weird. <laughs> being a defenseman is really hard especially being a young defenseman and a lot of people were piling on charlie mcavoy early in the season simply because they see that big zero next to his name in the goal category yeah um he's been productive from a points perspective uh dishing out assists and he's been really good on the defensive end minus a few young defenseman mistakes that you're gonna see from guys especially since he is pretty aggressive both physically and offensively um he likes to push the puck he likes to jump up and pinch when it's an aggressive play because he knows char is there back protecting him um so you're gonna see some of that but i think overall it's been a really good season for charlie mcavoy and i don't know maybe you start to see some of those shots go in yeah definitely i mean like you said uh, that first one especially this late in the season is such a confidence boost and you can see after the game with the interview he had post game uh, and just the reactions that Anochara waiting for him before he went off the ice, just give him a hug. Uh, immediately, the celly from Jake DeBrusque was just 
a thing of beauty. I almost started crying <laughs> watching that live. The tackle <laughs> shaking his head Jake, to the ground. Jake Dabrowski. Jake DeBrusque even celebrates the most when it's not his own goal. Yeah, yeah. Selly season is always in style. Um, but yeah, big confidence boost for him. And Chris, like you said, it's not... I mean, people are quick to jump on him when he has that donut right there. And, you know, obviously he's came in the league as a two-way guy. He's somebody who can push the puck up the ice. You expect him to score some. And so having that zero is tough. But like you said, he hasn't played bad. But not even offensively, really. He's still... I uh, right up there in assists per 60 minutes with some of the best defensemen, not only in the Bruins, but in the league. I mean, you look at the Vancouver game, he had two assists, so he's still doing his part on both sides of the ice. You definitely hope to see him bury a couple more, but now that he's off the schneid, I think we're going to see a lot more from him over the next few weeks. Yeah, and I think the uh, point of him just, he's he's been playing well overall throughout the season, minus, you know, not getting goals in, but as Chris said, uh, Defense is weird. Hockey is weird. Um, yeah, you can see him. He's all over the offensive zone, along the boards, even behind the net. And, I mean, if you look at videos of how he was playing uh, as a prospect before he was drafted, that's exactly what he was doing, and that's exactly what the Bruins were looking for him to do. Um, and that's just to create chances, and he can do that. And I think it's he, – he covers all of Chara's weaknesses, uh, which is skating – and moving the puck <laughs> and I love Chara but there's a lot you could ask for from him uh just in this new day new era of the NHL where uh defensemen are moving the puck more uh skating with the puck more but um yeah so I think I think that's a great pair and I think he's doing exactly what is asked of him maybe not by the fans but the coaching staff the team itself um, and yeah, I think that goal could, uh, really light a fire under him and, uh, perhaps turn his luck around. Yeah. Uh, not to turn this into an all Charlie McAvoy podcast, but I do like the idea since this is going to be kind of a short weekly podcast, just focusing in on a couple of guys. Um, McAvoy definitely leads the team in highlight reel hits. Oh, yeah. uh, and from a, from a dumb, dumb Bruins fan perspective, which I am sometimes, and I enjoy those hits, uh, when you know when, when they're taken in, in the right context uh that's always fun to watch and i mean how can you not love a guy like that and it, it's hard to see that same kind of fan also just kind of like getting on him for that zero in the goal column when he also delivers something on the ice when he's not scoring yeah certainly he's not a he's not a small guy by any means but he's not huge either but with the size he does have, he makes really good use of it in the defensive zone. I mean, sometimes you'll see him light somebody up, and it's just like, whoa. Like, you almost are just shocked by how he just he plays like like a bigger guy than he really is. He's he's built pretty heavily. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He yeah, looks smaller next to Chara. I think that's <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true. I don't even want to think about what I would look like next to Chara. It's not going to be good. But, uh, oh, but yeah, he's he's doing things on both ends of the ice, and... Uh, he definitely serves that big bad Bruins mentality that so many fans crave, especially nowadays with all the young, quick guys coming in who uh, maybe aren't as physical that Andres Bjorks and Danton Heinens and Jake DeBrus and stuff. You kind of miss having somebody who can throw around a little meanness once in a while, and Charlie McAvoy yeah. can certainly do that while still being a guy who you can expect to produce on both ends of the ice. All right, well, that was a good, good little wrap-up of the week. Now let's do a, a little segment called Takes on the Table, where we just uh, 
Like, throw out your takes, man. Like, they can be all hockey. They can be Bruins. They can be player-specific. I'm going to start with uh, kind of a just general hockey take where it, it goaltending-related, starting with Tukarask and Yarrow Halak, where I feel like a lot of people last year and the year before were getting on Tuka a lot for his... I guess, supposed not great play in relation to his contract, which now at this point, considering the cap has gone up and mm-hmm. a lot of contracts have been inflated, doesn't look that bad at $7 million. But a lot of people got on Don Sweeney for signing Yaro Halak for $2.75 a year, and now you're paying two goaltenders almost $10 million a year, and a lot of people were looking at that going, like, what are you, what are you doing, man? Like, you can sign a guy like Anton Hudobin for cheaper than that, and uh, he's serviceable, and and he has been uh, he he's been pretty good. But I mean, when you look at how steady Yaro's been behind Tuca, and you give them that fifty fifty split, um, I, I don't know how how long you guys have been following Yaro Halak, but just from playing fantasy hockey, I picked up on his tendencies over the past like four or five years, and traditionally he is a super hot starter, and struggles in the second half when he starts starting too many games and Tuca has always kind of been the opposite where he yeah. started off really slowly and then picked it up at the end of the season going to the playoffs where he's traditionally been really good and balancing those two guys together and having that basically a 50 50 split where like you'll see Tuca start two games in a row every once in a while and I mean when one of them is injured you'll see them start a couple games in a row but making sure you're balancing that workload. And I've never played goalie before, but I can imagine crouching over like that for long periods of time, especially at their age. Like Yara's a little older than Tuka, but they're, they're both North of 30. And like, that can't be comfortable for long periods of time, days in a row. Uh, they're, they're practicing too. So it's not like they're taking many off days. Uh, it's just, uh, a really smart move by a guy who has taken some criticism for that. Don Sweeney's been really pretty good since he's been our GM, and it's it's been nice to see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think overall, obviously, every GM will miss up here and there, but I think post Shirelli bringing in somebody like Sweeney who didn't have quite as much experience. Obviously, you see this kind of wheel of GM stuff going around in the NHL where one guy gets fired and they got hired by, you know, the next team over. Same with coaches. I think you have to be really happy, for the most part, with what you've seen from Sweeney. And the goaltending is a great example, Chris, like you said. Um, And to jump on your goalie point about getting tired, I have played goalie a couple times, just practicing on the ice, screwing around. And obviously, these guys are professional athletes. They're much stronger than I am. But... I don't think people have an appreciation for how much, like, weight is going on with all the gear and stuff. Like, you know, you go down, you play knee hockey, you play street hockey, you're, like, flashing leather, you think you're Henrik Lundqvist out there. It's, like, <laughs> it's not as easy to, and, and like, skating and all the stuff that they do on the ice and the crease is a whole other story, too. Um, but it's, like, it's exhausting playing goalie for even a little while. Like, I played for 20 minutes, and I was, like, I needed, like, a oxygen tank. It was brutal. Um, and that's, I think, is something that you go back three, four years was kind of an issue for the Bruins and Rask in his first couple seasons as a starting goalie. 
when they didn't have a reliable backup like Halak to jump in there for them, they had Rask going 65, 70 games in the regular season, and you had this issue kind of back-to-back years where by the time the playoffs rolled around, he was just obviously gassed. And you had the front office eventually acknowledging that um, and saying, yeah, you know, he probably was tired. We played him too much, but we needed to get here, which is understandable when you don't have a backup as strong as Yarrow. But, yeah, think about Nick Spedberg here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but I mean, but again, that's props to Don Sweeney. He did get a little bit of slack for the contracts, and like Chris said, they look better now than they did a couple of years ago, uh, especially that Rast deal. But you know, it's it's so important to have a guy or two guys really who you can go back to back with and switch on and off pretty much at a fifty fifty rate, so that your starter is ready to go once the playoffs roll around. Yeah, important to note uh, the Rask contract was Chirelli, but he's gone. He's old. Yeah, he's, he's old. <laughs> he's... <laughs> the, um, there are there are some really good like leftover Chirelli contracts. There are I, for I, sure. I love, but Chirelli was very hit or miss, very hit yeah. or miss, which I guess a lot of GMs are, but very much so with him. In terms of uh, Tuca, um, I think well he was going to take the All Star break uh, off. Anyway, uh, he wasn't going to go to the All-Star game. And then the concussion occurred, uh, which is unfortunate. But I think it's interesting because, you know, last season he took that hiatus. And then he even got a concussion later in the season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Tuka's had like four or five documented concussions, and that's worrisome. Yeah, he's he's reaching David Backus level. I don't know if he can even talk at this point, but... (laughs) Um, I think that's huge because that break last season did him very well. Uh, There's obviously something personal. I don't even know if details were ever really fully out there, uh, whether it was his own personal mental health, family stuff, whatever. Um, But I think it was important for him to do that, um, clearly, because he played so damn well after that uh, and even after the concussion. So taking into consideration that he had both a break and a concussion at the same time, he's going to be a superhero. <laughs> no, but I think, I, think, uh, I think that's a big reason why he took the break. See, he had some time, and as you said earlier, Chris, uh, he's the kind of goaltender that has started off slow, and then suddenly something sparks, something hits, and he's again, proves that why he... I think is a top 10, possibly even top five goaltender in the NHL. Uh, when he's at his best, he, I would say he's a top five. Um, so I found that interesting that he was going to take that break. Um, I don't even know. Has he even, he's probably been to the all-star game at least once, right? I'm sure he won the Vezina. That's true. He must've been that year. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, I think that's a big reason why he did that. And I'm excited to see, you know, he's been hot coming out of that, out of the concussion and the break, and I hope that continues. Another thing in terms of goaltending for the Bruins, um, you know, having basically 50-50 starts, what do you think about playoffs? This is something I was thinking about earlier today. You start Tuca. If he gets a loss, you throw in Halak until he gets a loss and so on. If they continue playing the way they're playing, I know it's like, you know, you go into the playoffs, you got your starter, you go. And they did that with Tuca, so maybe that's something you look into later. But, you know, they're both playing so well. 
I don't I know. Don't think you, I don't think you overthink it. You got Tuka Rask, who took you to the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. final last year. He's been historically a really good playoff goaltender. Um, the Bruins didn't do that with Tim Thomas in 2011 when he had a couple of rough games in the midst that's of true, one of the greatest true. playoff runs of all time. <laughs> People on the radio were still calling for Tuka, who also had a really good season that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they stuck with Tim Thomas, and he absolutely delivered. So, I mean, so my, my overarching point here was going to be that goaltending is the weirdest thing in probably the weirdest sport where like you were talking about drew last year Tuka took some time off and he came out of it in a really good place and Mm -hmm. looked great i'm always nervous with guys who get injured uh who were having good seasons that you take a little bit of time off and you lose that whatever mojo because goaltending is like 80 percent skill and then there's like this 20% of just like, you got to have it going on. And that's how you get guys like Andrew Hammond, who had no real success below the NHL level. And the senators ended up in this weird situation where they needed to play this guy who wasn't very good. And he came in and he had like a 940 save percentage for a couple months. And now he's out of the league. Um, and then you get like Braden Holtby, who had like an 890 something save percentage back in 2012 and got thrown into this series against the Bruins in the playoffs and absolutely murdered them. And oh. then went on a run where he became one of the best goalies in the league for a few years. And now he's like alternating seasons where he's unusable and where he's leading, <laughs> leading the Caps to Stanley Cup. So. Uh, it, it's one of those weird things where I never want to mess with something when it's working. So, like, if you got, I, I guess, if you got both Yarrow and Tuka working, and you want to roll that into the playoffs, I'm not totally against it. But I, I don't think you, you mess with like the overarching Tuka mm-hmm. is a playoff god kind of deal. At the very least, you got <clears throat> if Tuka is winds up struggling. Uh... Very much so that they're like, okay, what do we do? You got Halak there, who I think would um, do nearly as well as long as he's playing the way he's playing. So, well, I, um, I think I think in the worst case, you're talking about like injury insurance, where that's true. Yeah, you have basically no drop off if you lose your number one goaltender, which is a really good secure place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of teams in the league who would killed to have a goaltender as strong as either of them and the fact that the Bruins have two guys who not only are serviceable but you can tell the team is just flat out confident in front of both of them that goes such a long way over the course of an 82 game season into the playoffs and especially when you factor in the Bruins played into what was it, it was July by the end time the last season ended right by the time this was it did it get into June or was it July I think it was June. Might have been late June. I think it, I think it probably was late June because even July seems late. But the point is, you go Game Seven Stanley Cup Final. That extends the season by a considerable amount. And obviously, Rask was their guy that they were going for for everyone that time, uh, or throughout that run. So a shortened off season again, and then you're getting right back into it. That really just amplifies the importance of having two guys that you can be really confident with right out of the gate. And the Bruins have that, and you can't underestimate that. All right, so I'll shut up, and I have no more takes on goaltending. 
I'll just I'll just drink my beer. I'll just drink nah, my beer. takes <laughs> on the table. I know, I know. This is a zero judgment zone. This is uh this is when you say the dumbest thing you can think of. There's uh, there's zero judgment between Trade us. Trade sure If oh no, that's the one line you can't cross. That's the line you can't cross. And Sorry, that, we uh, so that ends our podcast. And oh God. <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed our one episode of this podcast. We're now <laughs> no, but while we're joking about it, this isn't—I guess this could be sort of a take. I don't know. Obviously, the news in Boston over the last couple of days has been the Mookie Betts trade. My question for you guys is: What type of trade would the Bruins have to make to compare with the Red Sox trading Mookie Betts? Who? And it would probably have to be a combo. I don't know, unless maybe might have to be maybe. A combo. David Pasternak is the one that comes to mind as a young guy who, who really yeah. has all-star potential. Granted, so he doesn't I, I, have that MVP yet that Moogie Betts has, but I'm interested to hear what your guys' thoughts on that would be. I think I came up with the perfect corollary. All right, let's see it. Or hear it, I guess. So, it's... The team that it would be with is a little different, and the ages of the players are a little bit different just because of the, the way hockey works. But it would be Pasternak and Bacchus eating half of Bacchus's contract for Brendan Gallagher and Max Domi. Okay. Oh, we're getting to specifics on returns. Yeah, so, I wasn't even thinking I didn't, returns. I didn't but... read up on the return the Red Sox got, so, <laughs> so I'm just thinking Mookie Betts here. But Well, go as on. of now, they haven't gotten any return. We'll see. By, maybe by the time this is released, they will, but who fucking knows <laughs> right now? This might have been outdated. Uh-oh, dogs are going. They, uh, they don't like hearing about Mookie Betts being traded. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody so, does. So Alex Verdugo, who comes back, is kind of like... He's like Andrew Benintendi, but like injury history and not quite as good. Um, and I hear he's got a great arm. Sure. Which is nice. But <laughs> compared I, to Mookie? Not that that makes up for the rest. No, no, no. Compared to Benintendi, which again... Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brewster Gratterall, kind of just like a flashy prospect who may or may not be injured and maybe not <sighs> living up to his potential. Uh, that's the Max Domi in the deal. Max Domi was supposed mm-hmm. to be kind of like this this big thing. He flashed in Arizona, and then he's kind of been bouncing around since then. Uh, and then Brendan Gallagher is kind of like your Brad Marchand light. So like he's kind of like a player you already have, but just like the off-brand version of that. Fair. Fair. That's a damn good comparison. I'll give you that one. I'll, you know what? I'll drink to that. <laughs> it's not perfect. It's the first one I thought of. but It's better than what I thought of, which was <laughs> nothing. Um, yeah, I wasn't thinking returns, to be honest with you. I was just... Yeah. I think what you said, Cam, Pasternak, once you said that, I was like, I'm thinking yes, because, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm not a big Red Sox guy. I consider myself a Bruins guy and a Boston sports guy. Um, so, when you said Pasternak, a younger player um, who, you know, he's not like a career-long player with the Red Sox or the Bruins, um, but still that star capacity, I, I think that would be certainly uh, a good comparison um, in terms of I, I, the Red Sox ran into money issues with him. So say the Bruins, when they have to re-sign Pasternak, are in cap uh, cap hell, um, which I personally think they're sort of in at the moment, but um, going into the next offseason. But, 
Mm-hmm. I think that would definitely be uh, a good comparison there, Pasternak. Um, I, a, I was joking about trading Bergeron, Bergeron Bruin for life. I <laughs> uh, just got his jersey for Christmas, so you know. Yeah, I got one of those. Well. Same, um, actually, yeah. I guess we're all doing the same thing. The alternate jersey. <laughs> I went home. I didn't have a home one yet, okay, actually. Okay. Somehow, but I usually only go with the home jerseys. I've actually been cruising for one of those uh, Pasternak Winter Classic jerseys, but oh yeah, they uh, they don't really sell them anymore unless you get them sketchy from China. <laughs> the rule with those is that when you walk around. You have to do the bird celebration at all times. So <laughs> yeah, you're it right. Tiring on the arms, but other than that, it's a great purchase, I think. <laughs> but yeah, just with uh, I mean, yes, the Bergeron was a joke. Um, I don't think you can compare him to a Bergeron just because he hasn't been a career long Red Sox. Obviously, because he's being traded, but um, I think a, I think a bigger comparison to uh, Bergeron would be like a David Ortiz, who is just an absolute franchise player, which I think Bergeron is. Um, and yeah, no one else really comes to mind in terms of, uh, I didn't have anyone in mind, but once you said Pasternak, I, I immediately agree with that. Um, that was, that was the one that I thought was like the obvious comparison just because it, it's like our only young ish, but like he's young. Uh, Mookie's like 27, which is like still baseball young. Yeah. But it's mostly like prime. Um, and I think the the primes line up kind of because uh, hockey players usually max out earlier in their career because um, it's a tougher sport and yeah it's just it's one of those things and there's like a whole bunch of development time in baseball where it, yeah. it's just the careers kind of start later and I mean he stands later. around in center field a lot so <laughs> I will hear you know this baseball slander one of my favorite sports ever but okay well. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you, Chris. That's all right. We'll talk. Right. We'll talk plenty off podcasts about <laughs> that. Um, Chris and I are about to spin off Bruce and Bosox, and you're not invited. <laughs> I don't care. I'll be watching some junior hockey or something. No, I, yeah. I, I max out at two Boston sports podcasts. Uh, go listen to Fairweather Fans, by the way. Um, only took only after you listen to a full episode of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to get into the 35th minute of this podcast before you. Uh, you get the real plug. <laughs> I just hope that people realize, obviously Chris and I realize that Drew is kidding about the trade Bergeron thing. I'm just worried that somebody's going to hear trade yeah, Bergeron. The I, just, I, just lost, immediately... I just lost 100 <laughs> followers on Twitter. No, yeah. no, no offense to anyone listening to this podcast, but Bird's Twitter is like one of the worst, most toxic oh places on the internet. I'll be the first to say it. It's so bad. It's, it's so, so bad. toxic. And, and I mean, I Twitter follow... in general is toxic, but Bruins Twitter in terms of sports twitters team twitters oh my god i like i really enjoy the people that i follow and, and my followers but i do have like a segment i like i continue to follow like a segment of the real bruins twitter because i don't want to like be in a bubble completely mm-hmm. and it's i respect that and i and i get the i get the retweets and it's fucking bad <laughs> the thing is it's like it's not only is it just horrific takes like horrific take after horrific take it's just like there's something about it that's just like just excessively ignorant, and just the way that it's like, like tweeted. I guess I would say spoken, but like because I can just read it in my head with some like, you know, morning radio like thick Boston accent guy like coming in who like is hammering six cups of Dunkin' on his way to, <laughs> on his way to work or something, yelling about how the Bruins should package like 
Tuka Rask with Jake DeBrusque and Danton Heinen for, like, a bag of pucks or something. Like, it just <laughs> never makes any sense. No. But yeah, I guess it's some entertainment, for better or for worse. Probably for worse. Hey. Maybe can agree on that. But it's... once in a while you get bored, it's something to look at. That's what we're here for. We're here for the rational takes. Like, trade <laughs> Patrice Berger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, well, we could do list. we could do some good clickbait <laughs> with the episode being titled "Should the That's Bruins be, Trade Patrice Bergeron?" Trade Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> no, nobody's gonna read it. We're just gonna get death threats, and then neither of those. <laughs> hopefully, we get the opposite of that. No death threats. Plenty of oh, like, you, reading, you listening. Guys, you guys both know the like headline shit from uh, from writing about hockey, like with. The comments are all people who didn't read the article. And yep. oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's journalism in general. No, yeah, it's yeah. headline readers. And I'll even admit, I think you guys can admit, sometimes, like, I'm just a headline reader. Not that I comment. Not that I comment. But I think that's a... Not to get into society, but I think that's a huge issue in journalism. But <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, I mean, certainly. When, when you really think about it, Bruins hockey is just an allegory for society <laughs> absolutely it's all absolutely. that matters that's yeah. that's what this podcast is like it, we've been trying to figure out what this podcast is this whole episode and now i think we got it we're just gonna try to relate bruins hockey to human society to the human experience yeah this is where you get all your answers <laughs> i think i think that's i think that's for stoned in bruins hockey podcast (laughs) (laughs) which is coming soon stay tuned (laughs) well for you uh, from right now in maryland you never know but until then i uh i can't be joining you on that one yeah (laughs) my friend but maybe i'll move somewhere federal (laughs) federal employee here come back Uh, come back come to boston come to massachusetts (laughs) i would love to we can be roommates or something then we can make this whole podcast a little easier uh yeah while we're on the talk of comments because this was this was my favorite of all time i wrote you guys remember Alexander Koklachev? Yes. Yes. The Bruins prospect. Hopefully, some of our uh, hey, he's coming back. Do. Shouts to Coco. He might be coming back. <laughs> yeah, Coco, Russian prospect, Coco. young guy, uh, somewhat promising at the time. Enough that he got headlines, but you know, never somebody that the Bruins really expected to uh, make a huge difference. I wrote an article about him probably a year and a half, two, probably two years ago at this point, and I had a guy go after me in the comments section. And his reasoning was that Koklachev's name, I swear to God this is true, was too hard to read. <laughs> and he couldn't read it because I used his name and he could, didn't know how to pronounce it. And I sat there and I laughed for like 20 minutes. I was like, dude, like, how do I write an article about a player without using his name? Like, that's just, that's just... That's impossible. Like, you want me to give him a nickname yeah, or Coco. something? Like, Coco I don't know what's good. Coco, Coco Crisp. Could work. Coco Crisp. It's so Coco Crispies. It's so hard <laughs> to be not to not to toot our own horns, but like it's hard to be like a knowledgeable Bruins fan and be called stupid about hockey <laughs> on an article you wrote by someone who clearly is really dumb about hockey <laughs> and not respond to it in a really snarky way. At the at the hockey writers, maybe you guys had the same experience. I don't know their name. I don't know anything. It was when the hockey writers just started, or uh, after anyway, that they started doing like Facebook comments or the comment section. Oh yeah. And there was one person on every single one of my articles just completely shat on it, 
No matter what it was about. No matter what it was Chris about. That was actually Chris with a burner account. Yeah, yeah. that was. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I, yeah, I was okay. just jealous. I wanted to, I wanted to get more uh, views than you. I was hoping to. Yeah, all right. I'm signing off now. So, so. Um, but yeah, no, there's... Uh, there's just there's people out, I think that's the internet in general there's just people out there that love that but um yeah I think Bruins community I think it's great I think it's but it, at the same time there's just some people out there that just love to stir the pot and just start arguments and I, like I said I think that's the internet in general but there is a lot of that in the Bruins <laughs> Twitter community and social media in general community I do have to say this is a brilliant plan for us, podcast episode one. <laughs> how do we capture the Bruins audience? Let's just shit on them. This is how, this is actually the reason that we started this podcast is just so we can get back at you guys. Finally, this is years of stored up anger. Well, Please and clip here this. we are. Please clip this and put this in the cold open. Just the thing, the thing is, this could uh, like you know every. It seems with the community and I think internet in general again, everyone thinks they're right, so they think we're shitting on who they think is wrong. So yeah, hey, so they're like, why wouldn't you? Trade everybody on, here right? is right. <laughs> the person you think is wrong is wrong, and Thank we you just for got everybody. we just got a million listeners. So. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> All right, so we got. I think let's go with two more things to talk about. Let's do uh, trade rumors, and then we'll preview the week ahead. Yep. Um, Cam, you want to lead trade rumors? <clears throat> Dude, I got so much going through my head on trade rumors, I don't even know where to begin. I feel like every day I open up some form of Bruins-related media, and it's just like you have something else going on. Like Brennan Dillon, Chris Kreider, you got, it's like a new one every day, I feel like. Tyler Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli's, Toffoli's been a rumor for like seven years. years it feels yeah. like it's probably been two seasons, but like it feels like it's been half my life. Like, I'm be honest, I want no piece of Tyler Toffoli. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. I like. I, I guess it's all about. I guess the deal you make, right? Obviously, if they can get him for cheap, I'm not necessarily upset about it. But I just, with the team you have right now, things are clicking, and I'm just worried. Obviously. They were clicking last year, too, and Sweeney made some great deals, bringing in Charlie Coyle and Marcus Johansson, things like that. It worked out well, but it's just I'm always a little skeptical at this time of year when you feel like you're pretty much there, and yeah, you can add that next piece, but are you going to end up giving up too much? Are you going to mess with something in the locker room? Granted, none of us are in the locker room, so we don't know for sure. But hey, from everything yourself, I've read, man. seen, I'm literally, oh, in the maybe Chris, right is, now. Chris is Chris <laughs> is about the live. farthest from the locker room than we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tough. But you know, it seems like there's some genuine camaraderie on this team. It seems like they really are a close group of guys on and off the ice. I mean, you look at Jake DeBrus tweeting about Charlie McAvoy in the bean pot after McAvoy finally buried one. Um, and it seems like there's a lot of camaraderie, and there's just always that chance of messing that up. Obviously, you could use that argument to never, ever make a trade. And there are some areas that the Bruins could get better, but I think you just got to tread lightly with what you have right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would like to see Chris Kreider on this team. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to save the full-on David Krejci appreciation pod for for another week but that's gonna be like a six hour yeah yeah, it's gonna be a whole episode (laughs) i mean when you really think about it he's been holding down the second line 
basically by himself for like a decade and he's an excellent player um so i mean he can make that line productive not necessarily like by himself like he's had players that like can play like jake debrus can play hockey but like he's not scoring 30 goals like if he's on a third line anywhere um and right now i think he's on pace for like 28 or something he scored 29 last year um i i feel like you can get by without adding a piece um and, and I think the, the rumors I've heard are if you want Chris Kreider, it's going to be like a Kevin Hayes package. And for the Bruins, that kind of equates to a first-round pick and either Dan Heinen or Anders Bjork. And the question is, are you guys willing to give that up for, for Chris Kreider? And my opinion on that is I think right now you're getting like – I'm like not peak Anders Bjork, but you're getting like peaks at what like he could be. And I think there's, there's an interesting trade window right now where you're, where teams are seeing what he's capable of. And it could be either like what he is capable of becoming and what he, and and some steps toward being a good player. uh, Or it's just kind of like flashes in the pan. And he has been one of those disappointing prospects where it's like, all right, do you capitalize on this while he's showing something? Or do you stick with him and see if he can become like a really important like third line piece or like maybe even a a left wing on that first line or the second line? And I'm kind of in the camp where like if you can get a guy like Chris Kreider, who I think it's an important thing when when there are trade rumors going around that you go and look at what that team is doing with that player. Cause if you're in a situation where the team knows they're trading a player and they're running him out there for like 20, 22 minutes a game and he's getting like 65% offensive zone starts, uh, maybe take those stats with a grain of salt. Chris Kreider right now is starting uh, most of his uh, shifts in the defensive zone and he's still scoring goals and i mean on a, str- on a struggling rangers team yeah just and, and that. that's a, that's important they they do have some good like top end talent so it's not like he's playing with nobodies um but uh, he, he has been productive he's not he's kind of like jake debrusque in the sense where he's not gonna really move the puck a whole lot and he's not gonna get you a lot of assists but i don't think you really need that if you're gonna put him on Krejci's line because Krejci is one of the best puck movers on the team, if not the best puck mover on the team. And that's kind of who the Bruins have always put on his line when that has been a successful line. And you're talking guys like Jerome Ginla and, I mean, back when Milan Lucic was good and Nathan Horton, like those, those were guys who weren't really puck movers, but they could take these wide open shots that Krejci like put them in the position to take and, score and i think i think i would give up anders bjork in a first round pick for that um and and, i mean it's a a steep price i see that look on your face drew Uh, (laughs) i can't wait to talk go ahead though (laughs) hey go for it no you 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 keep it well you were about to say something so no i'll just i'll just finish um i i I do i do kind of roll my eyes at people who are like uh oh uh, yeah big bad Bruins kind of deal but I do think there is value to a player who can score and does bring a physical element and can play a little bit of a two-way game 
and I think Chris Kreider brings all of that. Certainly, yeah. It's like the kind of the forward side of what you were arguing McAvoy earlier, where it's not the most important part of his game. Obviously, the ability to play two ways is, but having that is just gravy at that point. So, Drew, take it away. All right. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a lot. Everybody at home, I'm going to crack my next beer because of this one. It's going to be... All right, if you don't like my voice, just skip like two minutes, three minutes into the episode, and you'll get to hear Chris and Cam again. maybe. Um, You'll get to hear the CC of uh, CCD, which we're bringing you to Bruins Church. So, um... (laughs) He's been waiting all... I I was going to say all day. I think all week for that one. Oh, yeah. No, I I have been. I Um, think that's the reason, for everyone, before you get into this, Drew, Drew is the one who pitched this podcast idea. I'm like eighty percent sure it was just so he could make that joke. He might yeah, not be might back next week. No. I was, and I was waiting until next episode to make that CDC joke, but <sighs> by then Corona might, coronavirus yeah. might be under control. So, or it might be, or we'll all might be, be taking over the whole yeah. world, and it would be a really distasteful joke. So, needs to say. So, Bjork, I agree with you that I think he's at a point where his trade value is very high um, in terms of your, like in your words, you're seeing a peak uh, at what he's at, uh, at what he could be. Um, I don't think you trade him, but I do think for Kreider, you're going to have to trade. I think the Rangers are in a position where they are rebuilding, but they have a player like Panarin. They're at the end of Lundqvist. They want, not your, you know, prospect that's in the juniors. They want a prospect like Bjork or a guy like Heinen or a guy like DeBrusque who is young, still developing, hasn't reached their full potential, but can play in the NHL right now. I think they're trying for, I guess, a hyperspeed kind of rebuild uh, where in the next two or three years they can be uh, competing for a playoff spot or even more than that, the cup. Let me just go on record saying that's not going to work, but... I'm all for oh, no, beating I, them the feeling like it might work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I definitely think that's what they're going for. And uh, maybe I'd part with Heinen. Um, I think Bjork at worst, I, th- I think he's he's been playing well. I think at worst he's going to be a, uh, a third-line scorer. I think, I mean, obviously at best a first-liner. But like I think realistically he's a second-line winger uh, at his full potential. Um, but yeah, seeing as though at worst he might be a third liner, I think you need to hold on to him. Um, I think Kreider, I don't think Kreider would be a long-term player with the Bruins if they got him just looking at the cap and I don't have it in front of me. No, this is just, this is specifically for a rental. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think you give up Bjork for a rental. I think... Bjork can be a very valuable player, even if he doesn't reach his potential, uh, at least the potential that I see him possibly reaching. Um, I don't think you move that. Um, Maybe you move a Heinen, uh, considering right now I think, honestly, I think Heinen is going to be a third-line guy um, for the rest of his career, at least with the Bruins, I think he'll be a third-line guy. Um, And... So, yeah, maybe I part with Heinen. I just think the 
the fact that Bjork has the potential to be that second line guy that the Bruins have been after since Lucic and Horton, basically. Um, I think you hold on to him. They've been, the Bruins have been trying to within house develop a second line winger. Um, they got DeBrusque finally. Um, I think it was and, always supposed to be DeBrusque and Bjork, and then Bjork's just taken a really long time to develop. And I think, I mean, a big part of that is Bjork has had injury problems oh, yeah. uh, during his stints. And I think I, you know, cross my fingers, knock on wood, whatever. I think if he stays healthy, um, you're going to actually see by the end of the season what he's really made of. Um, and I think he could be a long-term solution um, past the Krejci era that uh, he could be that second-line winger. So I would not part with him for uh, for Kreider. Um yeah. But it's gonna take it's gonna take at least Heinen. To, uh, to, and then to clarify, some additional to clarify, I would prefer to move Heinen. I just don't know if the Rangers would do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um it would take Heinen and something like a first rounder, some picks or another prospect, uh in a in a good one at that. So um but I I would hold on to Bjork. And I think considering this has been a rumor since last season that they're after Kreider, I think a big part of it I'm assuming is that Sweeney and Neely are trying to dish a prospect that's down in the juniors or down the AHL. Um, and they're not necessarily willing to part with a player that is a, a young player, but in the NHL right now, considering how good the team has been with them. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I think I, uh, I think I lean a little bit more toward Drew as far as I think I would Woo. probably like to hold on to Bjork. Um, I think I would have an easier way letting go of Heinen if the Rangers would take that. And that's not to get on Heinen at all. I think he's a solid player. I think he catches more slack than he probably deserves from some Bruins fans just because he's not quite as flashy uh, offensively. But he is a very reliable two-way guy. Uh, He's no Patrice Bergeron by any means, but I think as somebody, as a third-line guy who can play on both ends of the ice... He's someone that I fully trust on the third line. Um, And Drew mentioned the injuries with Bjork, which obviously have hindered his development quite a bit, Uh, the shoulder injuries the last couple seasons. Hopefully he can stay healthy. I'll say the one thing that I think is encouraging is that he's definitely beefed up a little bit. Um, You know, obviously anybody can get hurt. It's the nature of hockey. It's a violent game. It's part of the reason we all love it is because it's physical. Um, and even the strongest guys in the league are you know, susceptible to injury from time to time. But I will say that with how Bjork has kind of beefed up a little bit, um, not only physically but mentally too, he's just playing a smarter game. Uh, he's not quite putting himself into those positions to get hurt. You saw a lot when he first came up to the NHL over those first two seasons and he was dealing with injuries. He would try to make a lot of plays cutting across the ice, which... When he was with Notre Dame in college, he could afford to do that and score a lot of goals that way. But professional hockey in the NHL specifically is just a totally different beast. And he's played a little bit smarter, and it's something that him uh, and the coaches have both discussed about on record is that one of the things that they've really worked on with him is just playing safer hockey, making plays that are smart, still good plays, but not necessarily ones that he's going to be putting himself into a harmful situation now, obviously, like I said, that only goes so far. Anybody can get hurt uh, in the NHL, but I will say hopefully, and this is maybe just the optimist in me, saying hopefully the majority of the injury problems, problems are behind him, 
and what we're seeing now is what he can be like if he does stay healthy. But with any young guy like him, that is a big if. As far as what the Rangers would take for somebody like Kreider, I think if I were the Rangers, I would give some serious thought to a Denton Heinen first-round pick, maybe a lower-round pick to go with it. I mean, obviously, like we said, Kreider is probably going to be a rental at this point, and I would I would love to see the Mass or the the Boston media run away with another Massachusetts Boston College guy coming into the Bruins. That would mm-hmm. be hilarious because they don't have enough between Chris Wagner and Charlie Coyle right now. <laughs> but uh, you know, like you said, the Rangers are kind of in this weird in between where they have guys like Panarin who is in his prime right now, but also guys like Henrik Lundqvist, who are elite players, or at least over the course of their career have been. I think Lundqvist but is done. Realistically, I think the window's closed. Yeah, but realistically, is are the, are the Rangers going to win with Lundqvist? Absolutely not. So I think they do kind of need to gear up for that next wave. Obviously, a first-round pick helps them do that, but also a guy like Heinen, who is pretty young, relatively, and has the experience and is a proven two-way guy, which, yeah, he's not going to go and score 30, 40 goals for you, but he can be a reliable guy in that to really lock down a third line. I think they might bite for something like that, but again, it's it's what are you willing to give up? What are the Rangers willing to buy? Again, I think they might need to throw in a little something next to the sweetened deal there, but then, again, at some point, it's like with the team that you have with the Bruins right now, how much are you willing to give up, not only now, but also for the future, for a guy like Kreider, who should help you this year but again you never really know yeah and i mean you you mentioned injury concerns and and Kreider has had some of those including currently where he, he's been injured um yeah i mean i, I agree with you guys that I, I think andrews bjork could be good but i think one of my biggest issues is if you're gonna be a scorer in the nhl even given like minimum opportunity and right now he's like kind of like peaking he's still averaging under two shots per game and i think you got to put the puck on that more often than that definitely definitely i agree and i think kind of what drew said part of the part of the look from a boston perspective is i mean how long have we been talking about the goddamn second line right wing like it's been i feel like i'm gonna take it to the grave at this point so maybe part of that is just like maybe you do have your guy but then, to Chris's original point, this could be some of the best hockey that we're seeing from Bjork. And so maybe you trade him when it's good. It's just tough because it's, it's so hard with a guy like him to evaluate whether you're really getting flashes of how he is now and what he could grow into or whether this is really his peak and what he has already grown into. And it's days like that and thoughts like that where I'm happy I'm not, you know, in the in the seats of Don Sweeney again, really. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. back to my original, original point is that hockey's super dumb and really... Oh, don't know, get really, n- Not dumb. Really hard to not predict. D- dumb's the wrong adjective. Uh, Beautiful, but... but <laughs> beautifully ugly. The, <laughs> the right move to make could be trading Anders Bjork for Chris Kreider, but Chris Kreider could come in and have like a 4% shooting percentage and it could make it look really bad. Um, and I mean, I think if Anders Bjork, I, I wouldn't root for it to happen. If Anders, Anders Bjork goes to the Rangers and has a shitty career, um, I mean, it kind it's kind of looks like a wash, but if he goes to the Rangers and he turns into like a productive second line player and Chris Kreider has a really unlucky second half of the season and doesn't play very well, uh, it looks bad 
or Chris Kreider could go absolutely nuts and could have perfect chemistry with David Krejci and it could make Don Sweeney look like the smartest GM in the league. And that's just kind of how hockey works. So, I mean, I, I think it, from my perspective, I think you kind of pull the trigger on a deal like that and just kind of hope it works out. Yeah, it reminds me uh, almost of like the Nolachari situation where it's like a lot of people see him scoring a bunch this year and they're like, well, you should have kept him around. It's like, <laughs> look, anybody in their right mind last season at the end when you're dealing with cap problems, he's the one you let walk. In hindsight, you can say, oh, he's scoring a bunch of goals in Florida. Like, yeah, but at the time, if you were telling me Nolachari's got to be a priority, it's just not true. All right, Drew, last thoughts. Yeah, last thoughts because I know we got to go into the uh, the week ahead. Um, well, first of all, Corona now, which is also <laughs> gluten-free, which not a lot of people know. Hey, this is this is very a very important part of brews and bruins is recommending beers and for the gluten-free listeners among us you are an important informer yes cider is not as good as beer um but second of all uh with anders bjork uh i think he's at well while he's at a good trade value for other teams i think he's also uh at a very good point where his trade value for the bruins as well um I think just because it's a little bit of a gamble to trade him, uh, they don't fully know will he become that second line winger they need, or will he fall to that third line or out of the NHL? Because you know hockey is a beautifully ugly sport, very unpredictable. Um, but yeah, so trading Bjork now I think is more realistic than being able to get a decent trade for him after this point, like next season or. Uh, you know, the past seasons. I think this is where his trade value for the Bruins personally is very good uh, considering, you know, obviously it's a little bit of a gamble, so they might be hesitant, but uh, it's not fully known what he is. So an optimist might think like myself, he might become a second liner, um, but the Bruins can kind of gamble with that. So I think besides what the Rangers might think of him or any other team might think of him. I think for the Bruins, he's also at the peak of his trade value. Cause if he does become that second liner, they're not going to want to trade him. And if he does fall to the third liner below, no one's really going to want him for much. So to our listeners, I think the main idea here is don't overreact either way. If this kind of thing happens. Oh, but it's, Definitely. it's a Bruins community. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, Trying to inject some calm into the, the <laughs> Bruins ether right now, and be the change you wish to see in this world. Right, That's <laughs> it, right there. All right, you guys want to jump into the week ahead and wrap this up? All right, let's yep. do it. All right, so we start off on Saturday with the game against the Arizona Coyotes. Really, the three games we're looking at. And to be fair, since we're going to be releasing this at the weekend, I'll say keep it vague. Friday to Saturday, <laughs> <laughs> calling those out. Um, we're kind of cutting, it's not, it's not like a Sunday to Sunday week thing. I guess we've got three games in here until next Wednesday. Our plan, usually to record Thursdays, drop for the weekend. We almost recorded on Saturday, so. Like literally two hours ago, we might have recorded on Saturday. The funny thing is, Cam, you said, uh, like if we, if we needed to postpone and record after the Arizona game on Saturday, I was like, is Cam like a big Arizona Wildcats basketball fan or something? Or... <laughs> well, there you go. All right, yeah, right no, sure. Uh, 
Let's go Terps, baby. We're ranked for now, but we'll see. <laughs> anyway, go over the next three games, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, this is a chance for the Bruins to really keep running with the momentum that they've built. It's I don't want to say there's no easy games in the NHL, but you're not playing any truly elite teams here. You've got Saturday against the Arizona Coyotes, who are in a wild card spot right now. Um, I will say they've impressed me this season. We'll get to that more in a sec. But then you've got the Detroit Red Wings, who are among... The bottom of the league. They, they are the Montreal bottom Canadians. of the league. They are one they, of the are worst below... teams in the history of the league. <laughs> They're probably yeah, worse okay, than so... an AHL team right now, honestly. You're right. I had to make sure they were worse than the Kings, but they are worse than the oh Kings. My God, so, uh, anyway. You've got, so you've got Detroit, and then you've got a Montreal team that's been struggling as well. So this is really a chance for the Bruins already on a win streak to just kind of keep pounding it and extend that Atlantic Division lead and NHL lead that they have right now. So I think you go into these three games thinking, all right, you take two out of three because that's how hockey works. Um, mm-hmm. I would expect two out of three, but definitely a likelihood of taking three out of three here. And, and if you get those three, that's good. Cause you get, I mean, Arizona is, I think a pretty good team. I like, you know, you got mm-hmm. Phil Kessel, and Taylor Hall on the same team. That's pretty cool. Um, they've they've been missing the goaltending that they started the season with with Darcy Kemper out with some injuries, um, but I mean if you don't win that Red Wings game, I, oh I mean the, the Bruins have already lost the Red Wings this year I believe. Um, yeah, this is a team with a negative ninety six goal differential in negative ninety six. Yeah, negative I just knew that. I just knew their record was awful, but I think uh, I, I got to look at the other. Stats. Dylan Larkin and Anthony Mantha are like their only. NHL caliber players. Yeah, like I, lo- I love Mantha, by the way. Yeah, he'd be been, a great Bruin. I mean, he'd be great on any team, so. but he'd be a great Bruin. Anyway. No, he's he's he brings that kind of Chris Kreider game, but um, I yeah, he's been hurt most of the year, and that's I it kind of sad because I mean the Red Wings started off like the first couple weeks of the season like talking shit and proving uh, all the haters wrong who picked them to be one of the worst teams in the history of the NHL, and then. Uh, Turns out they're one of the worst teams in the history of the NHL. <laughs> yeah, it's just tough, tough sledding for them all around. And uh, Chris, you said you liked Arizona. I, I definitely have seen some good things out of Arizona. I will say though, you're catching them at a good time. They've only won two out of the last ten. So this, and granted, one of them was their last game. Um, they're apparently only the only team in the wild card race right now with a positive goal differential. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Take that for what you will again. Golden friend. The West is really weird. It's this sort year. of important, but it kind of doesn't mean jack shit at the same time. It's like plus minus. Like sometimes it's really telling, other times, eh. Yeah. But, I mean, if it's if it's um, really positive or really negative, I think it's telling. So like you get the Bruins' first line is usually very positive, and okay, plus minus probably means something there, but otherwise, nah. Plus minus is a weird thing in uh, in hockey, <laughs> unless unless it's way positive or way negative. I don't even consider it. Yeah, that's you know, it's it's like wins in baseball for pitchers. Yeah. It's like it can be telling or you can be Rick Porcello. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> shots fired. All right, Cy Young but, winner Rick uh, Porcello. Yeah, I think exactly. I think like uh, like Chris said, you got to get at least four here. Realistically, this is the 2019-2020 Bruins. I'm expecting five points, two wins, and a shootout five loss. Five points <laughs> is what I, I was going to say. Five points. 
and I think that's that's where you got to go into it. But yeah. Drew, what else do you have for these coming games? Yeah, Detroit is a must-win. Um, anything less than uh, twenty-eight to nothing is unacceptable. No. That, um. that game, by the way, uh, not to interrupt too heavily, that game is on NBC proper. The Bruins against the last place oh. Detroit Red Wings. It's a rivalry game, obviously. It is an original six matchup. When you said proper, I was like, whoa, do I get that channel? But I, I realized quickly that you meant NBC. Um, anyway, yeah, I think, but I do think Detroit is a must win. Just not, you know, obviously you say must win in terms of standings, but must win just because they're such a weak team. Um, but as you said, I think it was Cam that, you know, it's the NHL. No, you, know, you have to take every team seriously. Um I think Arizona will be somewhat of a test, but I think they can come out of it. And I think that back-to-back, it's the third back-to-back in, what, like eight days, nine days? Yeah, they've been doing it a lot. So I think if you come out of that with two more wins and a back-to-back, that is huge confidence, huge just for the ego. Like, I And I think that's also important while they're on this roll to have another back-to-back, even though it can be tiresome. As we said with the goalies earlier, you got Halak and Rask. It's it's no uh, penalty, basically, for putting in your backup because Halak basically plays like a starter. Um, he could be a starter on other teams in the NHL. Maybe Detroit should look into that. But, um, <laughs> Super starter. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, – Montreal, obviously, just because it's with the uh, within the division as well as Detroit. Well, and um, it's uh, is an ostensibly the biggest rivalry in hockey, not anymore. But um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, maybe next episode we need to talk about the NHL needing to reformat the schedule because uh, four divisional games is not enough for me. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I think the uh, sorry Montreal if. Anything is probably the most important game on this schedule. I mean, I uh, I pulled up the standings, and they're in fifth in the in the division right now. They're way behind the Bruins, but I think you still need to, uh, you know, your division rival, your rival in all of the hockey world, um, you need to beat, especially while they're on this run. Um, also bears mentioning that Shea Weber is out for a while, so he will not be participating in that game. And he's once again, right? He's been good this season. I feel like I feel like he's been out for a while, like every season, like the past three years, he's been he's, out for he's old. Since, since he went to, since he went to Montreal, maybe that's we, a bit weirdly of a that for them. that trade, the PK Subban trade, has actually worked out for Montreal. Uh, I, I didn't expect that, but I think it's been a a win for Montreal, especially considering that PK's not on the Predators anymore and he hasn't been good the past two years. That's like the perfect example of just how ridiculous hockey is sometimes. Like, PK Subban was just an absolute star in Montreal, and then you trade him to what becomes one of the best teams in hockey, and he's like, he's fine, but he's nothing special really like it's just that's hockey in a nutshell right there yeah i think i think honestly pk subon on montreal is sort of what you want from uh mcavoy um except for being an asshole to the fucking bruins but um <laughs> uh but yeah i think it ra- that basically what i'm saying is detroit is a must win 
Arizona is obviously out of conference, not a must, but would really love to see that. If they don't win Arizona, I expect a beatdown on Detroit. I expect them to take out all of that anger um, of uh, losing to that team on Detroit, uh, a weaker team, as we've said, um, and just demolish them 28 to nothing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, even though Montreal isn't the best team, uh, you it, it, it's a huge rivalry, and I think... Losing a game to a rival, especially if they're fifth in the division and uh, like 20 points behind you, uh, I think losing that is really demoralizing. Um, so I think that is almost, almost a, uh, almost, 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 almost a must win. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All right. Any last words for you guys before we uh, wrap this up? I think my last words are. Uh predicting the scores of hockey games are dumb so if you see anyone doing that on twitter uh shame them um <laughs> betting money on hockey games is pretty dumb don't do that um yeah i stopped i stopped with FanDuel for don't uh don't, season. Yeah. don't drink and drive yeah don't drink and drive that's a big one yeah that's true this is Bruce and bruins we we encourage you all to please drink much more responsibly than we will on this podcast yeah i didn't i didn't eat that's dinner before this so I didn't. I didn't either. So, so time to go down to the good old dining dining hall and figure that one out. I don't have one of those anymore. Unfortunately, I'm still in college at uh, 23. So, nothing wrong with that. I was in nothing college. wrong with it. It'll it'll happen in time. You know, I was in grad school until I was like 26. So, I'm all right then. Yeah. I'm not going to grad school. That's for sure. <laughs> See you on Bruise and Bruins episode 598 (laughs) when I'm in grad school. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, cheers to all of you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for listening. Uh, We'll have a different uh, vibe for the next episode because we're just going to change it up every episode. Just make sure that they keep you guys on your toes. Um, But yeah, episode one. We'll just get drunker and drunker every episode. Yeah. It we're, might not even be actually, us next episode. We're actually going to record the next episode immediately after this and just predict, predict what happened. So if it sounds wrong, then that's what happened. That's our uh, that's our paid series is hard liquor and brews. Yeah. And jump on, the takes get a lot stronger. Jump on, our, jump on our Patreon for uh, hard liquor and hard truths uh, where we just talk there about all the bad things that happen in life. Uh, Jameson Ginger for the next episode. (laughs) Off the rails. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. This has been episode one of Brews and Bruins. Also, plug plug Twitters really quick. Plug Twitters. Oh, yeah. Oh, true, true. Can't forget that. Doob Schmoob for me, D-O-O-B-S-H-M-O-O-B. Good follow. I think, Drew, I think we're owed for next uh, episode an explanation of that handle because I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's but right. just, yeah that's a good, that's a good, story that's there. a decent story. It's a simple but decent so story. icebreaker there. All right, cool. There we'll, uh, we'll put that in the show notes for the next one. There you go. You can find me on Twitter at Cam Hasbrook. Hasbrook is H-A-S-B-R-O-U-C-K. Uh, feel free to hit the follow button, although I can't promise you you'll like what you get. <laughs> I don't have a cool sell like that, but I'm I'm Gear OTC G E R E O T C. The OTC is for a now defunct blog called On the Couch Sports. Um, can can you yeah. change that? Does Twitter uh, allow you? No, I can, but I don't know what to do with it. Like um, Gear B A B. You can you can also uh, you can also follow me at my like personal account at Top Gear. So 
that that's more uh, jokes than sports. Yeah, and you can find me on Venmo. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've only run. You can like find half me on Tinder. At, uh... You can find me in the club.